If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. We are going to be continuing on this series of sermons that we have uh, started last week called Fail Forward. This series, uh, again, just to open up uh, today's message, is Paul is writing to the church in Colossae. I always mess that up. Easy for me to say. Um, And he is writing to them this relatively short book. But this is a new church in Colossae. And it is a church that is struggling through understanding what their place is. And so, when we look at this, can you flip back to that main slide, please? When we look at this church, what happens is that we see that there are problems in the church. They have begun to look back at the old way of doing things, mixed it with where they're at currently with their faith today, and then they've come out with this new idea of what their Christianity would look like. So Paul is writing to them. But one of the most amazing things is Paul doesn't just come out and say, listen, you guys are all whack and you're doing something really bad. He actually pauses and he takes this amazing break and he does this in such a loving way. And see, I believe what he's trying to do is he's trying to tell the the Colossians that, listen, you're not doing it right, but instead of just coming and beating on you and and yelling at you, I'm going to walk in love to try to teach and try to walk with you. I find it all too common when men and ladies come to understand their faith in Jesus, but yet then they seem to be persuaded at some point to leave their faith. Sometimes it's because they stop coming to church or they stop following the Lord and they're persuaded by the world. And sometimes it's because just life happens in general that pulls us away from our faith. And we see this over and over again. And it's common not only in the church of Colossae, but it's also common in today. Unfortunately, we find many people come to know the Lord. They're not really discipled. They don't really grow in their faith. And what happens is that they begin to be persuaded to walk away from their faith. This happens way too often. The truth is is that the Lord wants to have a relationship with you that lasts the lifetime, your lifetime here on this earth, and then for eternity with him. He wants this relationship to be a relationship that's ever-growing and that we ever continue on building this relationship with each other. I like to say that today in my life, with my, my relationship with my wife, that we are better today than what we ever have been in the last 25 years of our marriage. But that is because she puts up with me. No, I'm kidding. It's, well, that too. But it is because we've had 25 years of living and loving and sacrificing for each other. Any amount of time in a relationship that is a good relationship, you'll see that relationship grow. I was tempted, Pastor Chaz, but I didn't go there. Just want to let you know, okay? <laughs> so, 
But we have, as you build time, as you, as you spend time with each other, as you build that friendship, as you build that relationship, it blossoms and grows and becomes better. This is exactly what the Lord is, wants us, the type of relationship he wants us to have with him. See, what happens is when we grow stagnant in our faith, when we stop moving forward in our faith, and we stop and we don't go any forward, and we don't go any more forward, and we stop and we don't do anything, then what happens is that God doesn't move. God is always there. It's us who moves away from God. Today, people often think that staying halfway in this world and doing only what they want to do is easier than going all in for Jesus. I often hear from people when I have this conversation with them that it's, you just don't understand, Pastor, it's too hard for me to give up the things that I would have to give up to come to church. If I walk into the door, you know how many times I've heard someone say, if I walk into the doors of the church, a lightning bolt's going to come down and strike them on top of their head. I have yet to see that happen, by the way, just to let you all know, okay? I've been in churches all my life since I was 16 years old. I'm 48 now. Someone else do the math. It's been a long time. And I've yet to see a lightning bolt come through the roof of a church and strike someone in their head. It doesn't happen. But what we can do and what we should understand is that what the Lord asks us, if he asks us to give up anything, is pale in comparison to what he gives us in return. Anything that you walk away from because of your faith is worthy to be walked away from because what you're getting in return is a blessing from God. And so we have to understand that this letter that Paul is writing is he is admonishing and encouraging the Colossians, the, the people of Colossae, not to fall short, not to fall prey to the world around them, to continue on pressing forward, to continue on making the sacrifices, continue on to building that relationship with the Lord. And so in the same way today, what I want to do is I want to encourage you to continue pressing forward in that relationship. Continue doing what the Lord has asked you to do and moving forward in that relationship. If you're here today and you've never had a relationship with the Lord before, then it's a wonderful place to be. Because the Lord wants to have a personal relationship with you. That relationship that he wants to have with you is kind of like the relationship you have with your spouse that you've had for many years. The closer and the more time you spend with the Lord, the closer you'll want to be with him. I promise you, you will not be discouraged from that. Let's pause and pray and ask the Lord to bless us, and then we'll jump into Colossians (laughs) chapter 2. Father, we thank you for this amazing day where we get to celebrate being parents and grandparents and just family members as a church as we dedicate these children to the Lord. Father, there's an old saying that it takes a village to raise a child, and that is so true. It's not just the parents who are dedicating this child to the Lord, it's all of us here today. And so we thank you for that dedication. We thank you for what you have done. Father, we ask you, Lord, today that as we study Colossians chapter 2, that you would open up in our minds and we would be able to receive from you what you would have us to receive today. Help us to understand the words of Paul as he speaks to us through this letter to the Colossians. And help us to stay secure in our faith in you, Father. Not being persuaded by this world, not being pulled away by the things around us, but let us instead be persuaded and pulled closer to you in every way. Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing. I pray that my words would not be my own, but they would truly be your words, Father, and that we could hear from you today. And we'll be sure to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise, because you deserve that and so much more. In Jesus' name, amen.
Turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. Starting in verse 1, it says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face. Before you go on, Paul, sorry I didn't catch you quick enough. Just want to stop there for a moment. Paul is writing to the church in Colossians, but he's saying, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. We're going to talk about the struggle that Paul is having, and not this Paul back here running slides, but Paul, the writer of this letter. But he says that for all who have not seen me face to face, do you understand that Paul is writing this letter to Colossians and he has not yet really spent much time with any of them, maybe a few of them. There's some records of some people who have went with Paul and spent some time with Paul, but the church in general has not spent very much time, if any at all, with Paul. And so he says, for all who have not seen me face to face. Let's flip over now. That their hearts may be encouraged, be knit together in love, to reach all the riches a full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude, easy for me to say, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Let's pause just for a moment there. Paul is writing to the Colossians and he's having this this, uh, amazing description and he's talking to them and he's writing these amazing words and he says, even though he's absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit. Paul, writing this letter to the Colossians, is trying to get to them, across to them, to understand these things, to understand what it means to walk with the Lord, to be with the Lord. And he is absent with them, and he's, he's, he's missing out on being with them, but what he's saying is that I want to be with you, and even though I'm absent with you. Do you know that your prayers travel a long distance? Today, You may be here and you're thinking about something or maybe you have someone on your heart or on your mind and you're praying for them. You know, when we pray for someone, they don't have to be right here with us. It's great to lay hands on a shoulder and pray for them. That's wonderful things. But the Lord is everywhere, which means our prayers, when we pray for someone who is not beside us, also go with us or go with him to those locations. And so we should understand that Paul, what Paul is saying is that he longs to be with them, though he is absent with them. And he's rejoicing to see your good order and firmness of your faith in Christ. Let's flip over to that next slide, please. Paul talks about this great struggle. Paul begins to open up to, he opens up this letter, if you will, to the Colossians by saying he has this great struggle. I can tell you the, the, the struggle that Paul is facing is some of the very same struggle that most pastors face. That struggle is how do we love on the people that are with us that we can't be with every single day, but still see them grow forward in their faith in Christ Jesus. See, sometimes we feel as, as pastors and sometimes we feel as leaders that we have to be with you to see you grow. But that's not the case. The Lord will grow you, and if as long as you stay in him, the Lord will grow you. Paul is struggling with this. 
Because he knows he needs to be with the Colossians. He knows he should be at this location. And he wants to pour into them, but he can't at this moment in time. Why? (laughs) Well, most likely he's in jail when he's writing this letter. Kind of hard to break free from jail. Although Paul does it a couple times. And so, but he's in jail writing this letter, so he can't be with the Colossians. But his prayer and his heart is with them. And he's encouraging them to be together in love, to be together with each other, to be there. And his struggle is he wants to see the church. What's happening in the church of Colossae, the Colossian church, what's happening is that there is a great divide that's beginning to separate them. There are some that want to hold fast to what Paul is teaching, and they want to hold fast to what he is saying. And then you have another group of people in the church that are against what Paul is preaching, and they're mixing the old religion, the old style of what they and how they used to do things with the new style that Paul is teaching and coming up with something that's total out of line and out of character and not following Christ. And so they're at odds with each other. And so Paul is saying, my great struggle is that I want to see you grow forward in Christ, but I want you to grow together in love. See, one of the biggest mistakes, one of the biggest problems that we have as men and ladies growing in our faith is that we become disunited with the people that we have church with. Not only within the local body of church, like say here at Passion Community Church, but also from the larger body of Christ as well. Jesus uses the representation as the body of Christ, meaning that they're all part of one body. When we are part of a church, when you are part of a church, you are part of one body. That means that we are all working together for good. But that is not just for churches coming together as one body. That is also for a small C church, the small church coming together as one. If there's disunity in there, then it's hard to grow forward. It's hard to move forward in the way that they want. And Paul is stressing this to them, saying, listen, I want you, my great struggle is I want you to be united in love. I want you to grow forward in love, but it's a struggle that I have inside because I can't be with you right now to bring you together. And so his prayer and his attempt is to get them to come together. At some point, the people of Colossians were arguing the points of faith. They were struggling to grasp the realities of who Jesus was and allowed themselves to be at odds with each other. But Paul is coming back to encourage them in love, to have their hearts knitted together. You know, the quickest way to ruin a move of the Spirit (laughs) is disunity. God does not want a disunified church. He wants a unified together church, whether that again is a local body of believers or the whole entire body of Christ. When I say the whole body of Christ, what I'm talking about is that here in Richtown alone, it's not just us. We're not by ourselves. We're not some on some island. We're not the greatest church in, in Richtown. Uh, we're not the best of best. What we are is we are part of the body of Christ. The other churches around us are part of the body of Christ. That's why I love doing... Um, you know, Friday when we do the food bags to the school, I love doing that because it's the body of Christ coming together. It's several churches coming together to do that. Does that mean that we don't do things on our own? No, we do. In fact, we had a wonderful outreach on, on Friday. And we loved serving breakfast to the seniors. It was a great time. Thank you for all of those, by the way, who came and helped us set up on Thursday night or all of those that were there early Friday morning to help us cook frozen pancakes. No, we we got them warmed up. It took us a little while to get them warmed up, but we finally got them warmed up. 
But the simple fact is this. If we as a church want to move forward, whether it's the small C church or the big C church, then we have to learn to be unified together. We have to be learn to love each other, learn how to walk with each other, how to live with each other. I'll never forget uh, the early days of my marriage with my wife and uh, as we were, um, and my wife's, I, I'm not looking at her because she's probably thinking, what is he going to say, right? <laughs> I didn't tell her what I was going to say either. So, But in the first few years of marriage, it's sometimes difficult, right? Because you have to learn to live with each other. You have to learn to see what's going on. My wife was a go-getter. Let's put it that way. That's the polite way of saying it. She's busy bee. She was always busy at doing something. I was the type of person that when I wanted to do something, I would do something and I'd be all in it. But then there's times that I just wanted to sit back and relax. That wasn't my wife. (laughs) And so we had to learn to live with each other. We had to learn to grow and learn to respect each other. It's the same way with a church. When you're together and you're coming together as a body of believers and a body of Christ, each one of us are different people. God created us differently. He created me differently than Pastor Chaz. He created me differently than Jay. He created Jay differently than Pastor Chaz. He created Jay differently than Steve. And thank God for that, right? There's amazing benefit to being separate and being unique in the way that we are because we each have our own gifting that we bring to the party, <laughs> And a party isn't a party until we all come together and use the gifts that we have, right? When we do that, then we become the church. And Paul is saying, I want the struggle that he has is for them to become the church. Let's move on. Can you flip, please? There we go. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 7. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Now, before we jump off of that verse, let's talk about this just for a moment. What Paul is saying here, let's flip, can you flip over to six, please? In fact, I'll just read it from my Bible, then I can do it myself. Verse six says to us, That therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. What Paul is saying to the Colossians in this verse is that you have received Christ. If you have received him, then guess what? It's time to walk in him. See, one of the other mistakes that we make as Christians is that when we come to know the Lord, we don't actually walk in him. We don't actually walk in the faith that Christ gives to us. Jesus has called us to have a personal relationship with him, but it also calls us to then walk in him. And so Paul is saying to the Colossians, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. How do we do that? We're rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. All right, let's flip over to that next slide, then, Paul. The truth of the matter is, is that we have to understand that there is a choice that Paul is asking the Colossians to make, and he's asking us to make. That choice is, are you alive in Christ, and are you walking in him, or are you walking in something else? Are you walking in the world and what the world has for you, or are you walking in Christ? Paul's struggle was for the Colossians to live in love and unity. His answer to that and how to do that was to walk in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus was the answer. 
It's not just a Sunday school answer. You know, when, when someone says, what color is the sky? And you say, Jesus, in Sunday school, it's always right, right? That's what, Jesus is always the answer to everything, no matter what the question is. And I'm not just saying that, but honestly, truthfully, Paul is telling them, if you want to walk in unity, if you want to walk in love, then start with Jesus. Jesus calls us to be in unity. He calls us to be in love together. He calls us to come together in him. Paul is, again, encouraging the Colossians that if you have fallen away, if you have allowed your mind to be swayed from the truth, then come back to your roots. Come back to where you are. Come back to where you came from. Come back to that center place. See, some people do accept Jesus Christ. They do have a relationship with him. They do start that. But then somewhere down the road, their path and their faith divide. And they go down a path they should not be. And they find themselves so far away from their faith that they don't know how to get back to there. And they begin to ask questions. What do I do to get back to that place that I once was? Jesus is the answer, but coming back to your roots is also the answer. See, if you, were, if you truly meant, as Christians, we believe that we have a choice to make. As Christians, we believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. We believe that what he did was payment for the penalty that we should have, that we should have taken that penalty of dying on the cross. That is the penalty. The wages of sin is death, is what Scripture tells us. That means that we make mistakes. We mess up. We do things that we should not have done, And so we find ourselves in need of a Savior to forgive us. Jesus didn't just die on the cross to forgive me or Chaz or anyone else in this room. He died on the cross to forgive all of us. And so as Christians, that's what we believe. And so that is the root base, the foundation of things. And so if we are founded in that faith, if that's where our faith is, if you've said those words, if you believe that Jesus Christ is your Savior, then when you find yourself off in a place that you should not be, come back to that place. Jesus loves you as much as he loves you today as much as he did the first day that you ever walked into a church. Those people that I was joking about early in the early in the day that said uh, early in the message when I said they were afraid lightning was going to strike them on top of their head, they're usually ones have at some point came to church and they left the church. For whatever reason, their life took them in a different direction. And what I tell them all the time is that. First of all, the Lord's not going to strike you down with lightning, but he's going to love you as much as he can. And he's still died on the cross for you. He still did everything that he can for you. Today's problem with Christianity, in my mind, is that we don't really have deep roots. Our roots are really shallow. What does that mean? That means that many people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ because they are afraid and they don't want to have eternity in hell. And so what do they say? They get that fireproof insurance, as we like to call it sometimes. They get the stamp on the behind that says, I'm going to heaven and I don't need anything else. The problem of that is that when you do that, you don't have deep roots. You know, this past week, my wife and I planted uh, some blueberry bushes and it was really interesting because as we were planting these blueberry bushes in the back of our yard, we're looking at them and we're thinking they're just little, little, little tiny things, right? And in order to keep them alive through this past week, we've had to water them almost every day, you know, because we haven't had a lot of water until yesterday, but we hadn't, it was dry and we kept watering them. Why did we do that? Because we're trying to get them to establish deep roots. We're trying to get them to go down deep in the soil, to grab a hold of those deep roots so that it can water itself. Discipleship is no different than that. 
When you, are, when you become a Christian, when you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior on the cross for what he's done for you, then what we do is we like to say, don't stay in that place. Don't stay right there. It's the worst thing that you could do is just to stay in that place and not do anything else. We want to connect you and get you discipled. We want you to become part of the family. Why? Because we want you to grow in your faith. Because growing in your faith and being discipled, what that means is that you're putting down roots into the soil. You're beginning to let those roots grow down deep. If your roots of your branch, if the roots of your vine go down deep and they're into that soil, then guess what? When the winter comes and the cold and the storms hit, you're going to survive. That, that blueberry plant that's this big, even though it may not look like it survives, it's, if its roots are developed and strong, it will live through the winter and the storms. It's the same thing with our faith. If we continue to move forward, we're not going to be tempted to go out and do something else. We're not going to be tempted because our roots are going to be deep. And we can survive the storm. We can survive everything that comes at us. We want you to develop strong roots. Paul wants them to develop strong roots. That's the whole point of this letter to the Colossians. Let's move on. Flip over to the next slide, please. Colossians 2, verses 8 through 10 says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of this of the world, and not according to Christ. Verse 9 says, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Jump back to verse 8 for a moment, Paul, if you will, please. Verse 8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. You know, today in the world, today, many people are being dissuaded and persuaded by empty philosophy and deceit. We make up ideas in our head of how our faith should be. Now I'm going to say, I, I just want to, listen, I, there's a lot of wonderful people in the world today, but there's also a lot of wonderful not, there's not, I mean, let me rephrase that. There's a lot of wonderful people, but there's also a lot of not so wonderful people in the world today. It doesn't take very long, just, I mean, honestly, watch the news, as Jay said, or turn it off, as he said, but uh, last, yesterday, I mean, just look at Buffalo, New York. Why? What's the reason for the? Why, why do that? It's amazing what happens in places when people are not following the Lord. What happens? Everyone are looking at each other. Do you guys not know what happened in Buffalo last night? Oh, eight people died at a supermarket last night. There was a shoot at 10. Oh, it's up to 10 now. Yeah, so 10 people uh, lost their lives because some guy went in there and shot him. And he filmed it and put it on social media while he was doing this. I say all of this because what happens, listen, you don't wake up one morning and say, I'm going to go shoot and kill 10 people, right? <laughs> I hope not, at least. If that is, then, then you're really evil and you're in a bad, bad, I know we're in an evil, bad place in the world. But what happens is that we begin to hear, and what happened for this particular person is that they were, begin to read into terrorist information online. And they begin to change their thinking, and they actually wrote a 
I think it was 200-page manifesto or something like that. It was something crazy. But it starts with just a simple slip, a simple of taking Scripture and twisting it and making it say what I want it to say. See, oftentimes, I, I, I tell people all the time, when you read Scripture, don't read Scripture to blame Pastor Chess, although... There's some things there we could do, right? And there's things you could blame me from Scripture, too. Go right ahead. I deserve it, right? But oftentimes what we do is we read Scripture to say, okay, I'm going to fortify my position and my argument with Pastor Chez or, or Jay or whoever else I'm talking to. So I'm going to, oh, this is, this is my point right here. This is what it says. Scripture wasn't meant to fortify your argument. Scripture was meant to change you. And so as you read scripture, you should say, how can that scripture change me? Not how can I change someone else? If you're more focused on changing someone else, then your faith isn't working the way that it's supposed to. See, your faith was supposed to change you. Your faith wasn't supposed to change others. It will change others. Their faith will change them. God will change them. But the problem of it is, is too often what we do and what, where we see ourselves going is that we become deceived, uh, de- deceived we become captive to the world and we begin to like things and we like the way this is going. We like the way, and, and we become so enthralled with it that we begin to let go of little things in the Lord. We begin to take a few steps away from the Lord because we have learned to do it over here, or this is fun, or I'm going to just take one more drink, or I'm just going to take one more hit, or I'm going to just do one more thing that I'm going to see on the computer. There's just one more thing, and we're going to continue to do that, and then I can walk away. I'll walk away, I promise. Or what happens more often is that I'm going to come to church on Sunday because I'm going to get right with the Lord, and then Monday we're back to doing the same thing. And we're persuaded to continue going down that way. And Paul is saying to them in verse 8, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. According to human tradition. According to the elemental spirits of the world. Now you have to understand a little bit, before we go any further, and the reason why I'm pausing so much on this is because you have to understand that the church in Colossae was built upon elemental spirits of the world. They had uh, statues and other things that they followed. And so what Paul is saying to them is that because they have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, they have begun to become Christians. What they have done is a a, a portion of them are trying to live the way that Paul has told. Others are coming here and by philosophy they're being taught that it's okay to not follow the Lord or to follow the Lord in this way. They're being taken captive, if you will, deceived In this world today, we have many people who are deceiving and saying, it's okay to do this, it's okay to do that. You don't have to look any further than just the simple fact of abortion. It's not okay to take a baby's life. It's not okay to do those things. The Lord doesn't want us to do those things. The Lord wants us to stay with him and to be with him. And anyone that gives you philosophy or tries to reason with you outside of that, it's not right. Does that mean the Lord won't forgive you? No. It just means that we should not be persuaded in that way. All right, let's jump on to the next slide. Keep going. One more. One more. There we go. The question that I want to ask you is when the winds blow, and they will, what will you be rooted to and hanging on to? Paul's response to the Colossians is, listen, there's going to be people that come in and tell you. You know, I could, this whole philosophy and being deceived, if you don't read your scripture, 
How do you know what I'm saying is not <laughs> deceiving? Honestly, let's be truthful. You're trusting that I'm a good person and that I have gone to school and I have studied uh, theology and I've been in seminary, I've done all of these things. You're trusting that I am saying the right things and I'm teaching you the right things. But what if I wasn't? The truth of the matter is is that the average church-going person wouldn't know the difference of whether I was up here telling you the truth or telling you a lie because they don't know. There are some people that study scripture, but most people do not. Most people do not read scripture themselves. They only read it on Sunday morning when the pastor's having the slides up on the TV. And so the truth of the matter is, is that you wouldn't know whether you're being deceived or not. Why? Because your roots aren't very deep. You haven't taken the time to build a good foundation. You know the bamboo tree? Have you ever heard the story of the bamboo tree? Three years of bamboo tree, you'll never see it grow only more than about a half inch away from the ground. Three years! You know why? Because underneath those roots are going deep and wide. The bamboo tree has said to have sometimes up to 40 or 50 feet of roots that go out in each direction, either out or down. And so the third year, when it begins to pop out of the ground, guess what happens? It grows almost, I heard an astounding number, like three to four feet a month. It grows that quickly. Fastest growing tree in the world once it breaks ground. It's amazing to see that, but what happens is that it grows that fast because, guess what? It's hollow. It's open in the middle. And so when the winds come, it has to have a really deep root system to grab a hold of things. The truth of the matter is, for many people in the Christian church, many people in the church of Colossians, is that they're not going to survive the storms that come because they don't have roots that are very deep. And so Paul is saying to them, develop these deep roots. Now, why do I bring this up when I'm talking about a sermon series calling, called Fail Forward? Is because many times when we fail is when we walk away from our faith. Many times, we don't have those deep roots that can survive failure, that can survive the times and the winds that come against us. And so what happens is that when we fail and the winds blow against us, we find ourselves uprooted instead of rooted in the ground. Many people are pulled away from the teachings of Jesus because someone who may be able to speak well or uses fancy words or impresses people with the way they dress, or the music that they play, begins to say something. You know, I, I'm, an, I, I'm an old 80s guy, so I like to listen to 80s music, right? And, and I was, the other day, I won't tell you the name of the song because I feel really embarrassed by this, but I actually sat down and listened to the words of this 80s song, and I'm like, I can't believe I've been singing this song. And what it says right now I had to take a break. I had to turn the radio off. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. I, can't, I don't think a pastor should be running down the street singing this song now that I know what the words are actually saying. I say that because some of the things that we say as Christians, some of the things that we do as Christians aren't based in Christianity at all. We have learned to grasp a hold of what people say instead of what Jesus says. We've learned to grasp a hold of what the word or what other people say instead of the word of God. Jesus wants what is best for us, not what is easiest. Growing your roots down into the soil and breaking up that clay and that hard soil is not easy to do. It takes time, it takes energy, and it takes commitment. Three words that are hard to find in the world that we live in today. 
But Jesus wants you to do that. Why? Because what's going to happen is that when those storms come, and they will, you're going to be able to hold strong. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. Today, if you look around, the world is trying to persuade you to follow their ideas, what they think is right, what they think is best. The best version of you, the best you that you can be, is the one who is rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ. There's nothing better in this world than a person who knows who their Savior is, and wants to dive deep into those roots and to grow a well-established root system that they can hang on to when the winds come. Listen, in the days to come in this world, it's, not, it's, it's bad now, but in the days to come, it's only going to get worse. <coughs> There's no promise for a good tomorrow. You understand that? There is no promise that everything's going to be all right. In fact, if you read scripture and you jump to the end of the book, as Jay says, we do win. But before we win, we have to go through a lot of stuff. <laughs> and the wind's going to blow and the waves are going to come and the storms are going to be pressing against us. But at that point, it's your, the question that we have to ask is, what are we grasp a hold of? Are we going to be persuaded by the new things of the world or are we going to be persuaded by Christ? That's the question that Paul is asking the, asking the church of Colossians. And I believe that's a question that we all have to answer ourselves. Will you stand with me, please? Today, my sincere prayer and hope for you is that your roots are grounded. That you're allowing them to grow. That you're challenging yourself not to stay where you're at. By the way, developing deep roots don't just happen overnight. And they don't just happen at one time in your life. you got to stay at it, right? Those same blueberry bushes that we planted are right next to other blueberry bushes that we, that we planted several years ago. And the reason why those bushes are doing well beside them is because we spent time tending and caring for them and helping them giving them nutrition and, and fertilizer and those types of things so that they continue to grow and, and, and get strong and continue to develop those roots. So whether you are not, if you're not a Christian today, then I'm going to invite you to become, to give your life to Christ, to ask him for forgiveness, to seek his forgiveness that he has for you. But then also what I want to say is today, if you're here and you've already been a Christian, then make a focus to keep building and developing those strong roots because we're going to still face storms and as we face those storms the question is what are we rooted in let's pray father we thank you for this amazing day again i thank you for all the wonderful babies that are represented here in this church and what you're doing in their lives and i look forward to seeing the future that you have for them father Lord, we want to come to you today and we want to just ask you, Father, if there's someone here or watching online at home that has never given their life to Christ before, has never accepted you as their Savior, may today be that day. Paul, in his letter to the Romans, says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart, then we can have everlasting eternal life. And so if you're here today and you've never said those words, 
with all of our eyes closed. And what I want to ask you to do is just make a decision to follow him. Can you say, can you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord? And can you believe in your heart that what he did on the cross is more than enough for you? If you can, then I invite you to say those words. Jesus, or these words, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Be my savior. Be my king. said those words I just want to congratulate you and say welcome but I also want to pray for those that have been Christians for a while that have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ but have for whatever reason walked away haven't continued to develop those deep roots today is a day for you to say it's time for me to get back it's time for me to tend to those roots it's time for me to add some nutrition it's time for me to grasp a hold of the only thing that isn't deceitful the only thing that won't sway the only thing that won't persuade me from the truth but will help me obtain the truth and that is our roots of Jesus Christ so if you're here today come back to that place Make a commitment in this place to develop those deep roots. Lord, I pray that you would be speaking to the hearts of those that are here today. That we can grow deep those roots. That we can grasp a hold of all that you have for us. Father, we thank you. We glorify you. We honor you. And we praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we jump into this worship song, I just want to let you know that the altars are open. Pastor Chaz, myself, and others would love to have an opportunity to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, don't hesitate. Come forward. We'd love to pray with you. Let's worship together. I'm gonna make it through Cause I'm standing strong on you I'm gonna make it through Cause my house is built on you Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand, when everything around me is shaking, I've never been more than glad, I put my faith in Jesus, Oh, 
Father, we just thank you for this amazing day. We thank you for our amazing God that you are. We thank you for all that you have done for us and all that you will do. We ask you, Lord, as we go forth from this place, that you keep us dedicated and strong in you. We ask you to help us to be your hands and feet and the people of your church, Father, that you call us to be. Let us be united in love, but most importantly, united in you, Father. Help us to overcome the storms of our life that may come because our roots are deep in you, Father. Let us grow your kingdom. Be your hands and feet. Love the people around us as we seek to do your will for our lives. We glorify you, we honor you, and we praise you now in Jesus' most precious and holy name. Amen. God bless. Have a wonderful week. We look forward to seeing you again next week.